Well, 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 Brocktober is rocking along like a widespread panic show on Halloween at the Georgia Theater in 1993. Nasty. Saturday night, somebody said to me, is it Becktober? I said, of course not. That's next month, Beckvember. At any rate, we have not one, but two special guests this week. The first is a UGA DGD with a cool name, Quincy Mauger. Mauger seems like it should be something like a verb, as in he really maugered that running back. Quincy's going to catch us up on all of his latest exploits on the gridiron. Next up is Hamilton Culpepper, a.k.a. Hammy. Hammy is a UGA student who already has a lengthy journalistic resume. He's a longtime contributor to Bulldog Illustrated, and he's just launched his own podcast, The Hammy Show. Bert Hodges, the stat freak from dogbone.net, is back. Buffalo is back with Dogger. Dr. Feelgood is not. He did such a great job with the injuries. He's gone to Disney World. True story. So now it's time for everyone's favorite week, Vandy. Do not sleep on Vandy, because here we go. It's time for the Mad Dog Show, coming to you live from the Park Group studio in the heart of the Bulldog Nation. The Mad Dog Show is proudly sponsored by The Sanford Company, Dogbone.net, Bulldog Illustrated, Classic City Collective, The Park Group Marketing and Media, Bib Distributing, Sellers Construction, Ventures Barbecue, Go Clean Co., Jay Lee, Attorney at Law, Pelicano Construction, Jags Pizzeria, Macon Monogramming, Ortho Georgia, Cherokee Brick, Progressive Communications, Butler Auto Group, ASP, Ward Mini Storage, Walfall Oil Company, Beach Services, Willingham Sashendor, and Grenford Chiropractic. Now, here he is, the Mad Dog. So it's time for week zero of the bye week where we scrimmage Vandy. Vandy, a big reason, maybe the biggest reason why our schedule is so ridiculed as being weak. Next week is week one of the bye week and it's much tougher. Why? Because we play our toughest team of the year, which is us. We scrimmage ourselves. Again, the toughest test of the season. Now, let's talk about what we just learned from the game our dogs just played. The UGA dogs versus the KY Jelly Comcats. We learned that Kirby has established our identity as we can take a punch and we can give a punch, which is very Mike Tyson-esque, who so famously said, everyone has a plan till they get punched in the mouth. I can promise you that Kirby has a plan if we get punched in the mouth. And that plan is respond with deadly force. Force is defined as mass times acceleration, which means massive, beastly humans attacking as fast as they can. And there's not many teams out there that can withstand our force. He wants our force to mirror, to mimic, to embody a wrecking ball. And as he said, he doesn't even know who Miley Cyrus is. He's thinking more like Eric Church. So the media to this point has disrespected our dogs. They've said we're overrated. We don't deserve to be number one. We're not as good as last year. 
or the year before. So we got a chip on our shoulder. We got something to prove. And we did it in this pivotal game where we found our groove. And let me tell you something. It felt good because we got our groove on and we showed what healthy dogs look like. We're Bobo. Shut up the clowns in the cheap seats. We're Beck. Answer the doubters and their never-ending nonsense with an answer that is, we got a passing game-driven attack on offense. How about that for an identity? Arguably the pass to set up the run. And now we pivot to the only pole that really matters. The only pole without brand bias. The only pole that uses common sense. The pole with an eye towards the future and a 12-team playoff, and that is the Mad Dog Dirty Dozen. So here we go. Sneaking in at number 12 is USC. Their defense has more holes than a sponge, and they keep getting wrung out. But they're still undefeated for now, and so is Ohio State at number 11. Ohio State looked completely underwhelming against Maryland, and I watched the whole game. This is not a great team. This is not a physical team. Lou Holtz is right about him, and we are this close, this close to landing Lou Holtz on this podcast. Our attorneys are working around the clock to negotiate the terms to bring him here, and when it happens, it's going to measure on the Richter scale because we know that Ryan Day will be compelled to respond with vigor. At 10, Michigan, weakest schedule in the world. It's not even up for debate. That is exactly what the statistics will show you. Coach cheats. He lies. He lies about cheating. I've talked about this. Those facts are not in question. They have a two-game schedule, and that is Penn State and Ohio State. Speaking of Penn State, they come in at number nine. I cannot stand Penn State nor their boring uniforms, nor their arrogant chode of a head coach, James Franklin. However, I loathe Michigan, and I loathe the Ohio State chin nuts far worse. So the enemy of my enemies is my friend-ish. I've had Penn State as my sleeper. They're my sleeper team. I've had them all year long. And I will be tickled red and black if they eliminated Ryan Day next week. And if they did that, too, to Jim Harbaugh, that would just be absolutely hilarious. Next up at number eight, Washington. We've had Michael Penix shoved down our throats all year about how great he is. And look, he is good. There's no doubt about that. I'm not, that's not a dispute, but he's not playing any teams that know how to play defense out in the Pac-12. Next week, that's going to die down as he plays the defense at number seven, which is the Lanning-led Oregon Ducks. I think he's taught him how to play defense in a conference where defense is a foreign concept. So you heard it here first. Oregon will win the Pac-12, and they will get into the CFP. Six, Florida State. High-quality win against LSU to start the year. On one hand, they could run the table. On the other hand, they could have three losses. But for now, they're in the top of my six-pack. Five is going to shock you. It's Ole Miss. What? Why? because their only loss is super high quality, and that's to Bama, who is next at number four. And their only loss 
is even higher quality, and that's to Texas. And if Milrow doesn't throw two picks, Alabama's undefeated and number one in every poll in the land, except this one. Texas ain't back, but they are at number three. Why? Because their loss is of the highest quality. They were about an inch away from scoring a winning touchdown on fourth down in the fourth quarter to number two, Oklahoma. Why? Logic. They have the highest quality win against Texas. And then at number one, taking full advantage of recency bias is your two-time defending national champions. It's been 1,095 days since their last regular season loss. It's been 1,522 days since their last home loss. They got 23 straight wins, 23 straight home wins, 16 straight SEC East wins. They lost eight starters from 2022 on offense, but still average 40.6 points per game. There's no telling how many players they lost on defense, and they're still averaging only 13 points a game on defense, which last year was 14.2. They even lost their kicker and their holder. Did I mention I'm talking about the number one team in the world? It's the University of God bless the Georgia Bulldogs. Oh, yeah. Honorable mention. Our friends at the Technical College in Atlanta for making Miami look like the dumbest jackasses in the history of history. A week after they paid Mighty Bowling Green $1.1 million to come to the ATL to deliver a rear-end rearranging. But enough about that and enough about what I think for a second. Dr. SEC has some insights of wisdom that I found to be compelling. And so I wanted to share them. These three things, three things to keep in mind with Kirby teams. One, Georgia will continue to lose massive amounts of players to the NFL draft every year, each and every year. And the replacements are going to need time to find themselves on the field. Two, Kirby wants his players to take extra time to get well to ensure that he has them at the end of the season when they're truly needed. And I submit Amarius Mims and Tyrion Ingram Dawkins as prime examples. And three, he will not advance the playbook before the players prove they are ready. So in conclusion, Kirby is a marathon runner and not a sprinter. And I'm like crazy cooter on the Dukes of Hazard. Breaker one, breaker one. I may be crazy, but I sure ain't dumb, ready or not. Mad dog experts are coming in hotter than a hoochie coochie. So I am thrilled to welcome back Hamilton Culpepper, a.k.a. Hammy. What's up, Hammy? How are we doing? Thank you so much for having me back on. Man, we're, we're, we're honored to have you. You've got such a lengthy resume for a man as young as you are, still in college, already a journeyman journalist with Bulldog Illustrated. And then now you have your own podcast. I'd love to hear about it. Yes, sir. So uh, recently we just started the Hammy Show. So this is a little collaboration between the Mad Dog and the Hammy Show. I love it. But uh, yeah, so I I just started it and uh, I'm actually in a podcast class. So that's kind of how it originated. And the the whole goal of the class is by the end of the semester, you have a full podcast. You have your first episode and it's whatever you want to do with it um, after the class. But I kind of went ahead and, and jumped the gun. Uh, you could say I'm an overachiever, but I don't really <laughs> like that t- title. Um, so, yeah, I, I started it and I uh, got my first episode out and it's been great. I'm loving it, promoting it on social media as much as much as I can. Uh, so it's been fun so far, though. 
Well, you're you're definitely an overachiever when you come straight out of the gate with Brian Harmon. I mean, good grief, man. Tell me what that was like. It was a great yeah. interview, by the way. Thank you so much. Yeah, Brian. So I, I got that connection through Vance and Cherie Levy with Bulldog Illustrated, uh, who I write for. And uh, I can't believe it, but, you know, he's, he lives in St. Simons. And just a week before the Ryder Cup, he comes up to Athens and I'm like, hey, do you want to stop by this tiny apartment on West Hancock, West Hancock Avenue in, in Athens? And he was like, hell yeah, man. I mean, let's go. And uh, it was awesome. I mean, he literally came to my, my tiny college apartment. We sat in this, this poker room, as we like to call it. Yeah. And uh, yeah, we just chopped it up for about 30 minutes. And it, it was super special. But uh, I know I kind of feel like I, I peaked um, on my first episode having, you know, the champion golfer of the year on. But uh, hopefully we'll, we'll keep rising, having some good guests on in the future. Oh, you didn't peak. You just came in with super high standards and you met him right out of the gate. I mean, and what perfect timing for him and his career off his big win about to go to the Ryder cup. I mean, it had to be a little bit of a surreal moment for you to go, wow. I mean, this is how we're kicking this baby off. Yeah, I know. I mean, like you said, just kicking it off with him, uh, like coming off that, that win at Hoylake. I mean, which was, first of all, incredible. I mean, one of the most dominant performances we've ever seen in Open Championship history. And then right after, he's going to the Ryder Cup. And uh, I, you know, fortunately enough, caught him right before the Ryder Cup. So it was a little hyped up. We released the show um, the, that Wednesday of, of Ryder Cup week. So they played Friday. And unfortunately, as we all know, the U.S. lost. But Harmon was one of the better performers of the weekend. Uh, so it was still really cool um, to hear his thoughts going into the Ryder Cup, hear his thoughts from his Open Championship experience. Um, so, yeah, like you said, timing was perfect, and he's just an awesome guy. I mean, we he, he was like talking to my best friend, so it, it was a lot of fun. Yeah, I mean, the, you guys just – it seemed real easy, the conversation flow with you two guys. And, and let's get something important out of the way first. Where do people find this? So I'm only on YouTube right now. Uh, it's it's underneath the Hammy Show. Um, title of the first episode is Brian Harmon joins Hammy. Um, but yeah, it's only on YouTube so far. Waiting on that uh, the Spotify and Apple Play and, and uh, Apple Podcasts and all that stuff. Um, kind of got to go through some some licensing and stuff, but uh, and some payments. But our my podcast class is kind of teaching us how to navigate that whole process and. Uh, and kind of get uh, that moving so you can just listen to it on, on one of those apps. So, but right now, YouTube. So check it out, please. Are you taking investors? Uh, I will take any investors. In my first episode, uh, I, I asked Harmon before, before the show if he'd like to have any cold beverages uh, while we were talking, loosen us, loosen us up. Um, it was my first episode. I got the jitters. I'm with the championship golfer of the year. So I could have used a little liquid courage, you could say. And uh, he um, he was like, heck yeah, man, let's uh, let's get some Michelob. And uh, so we, we kind of ployed for a sponsorship. You know, he has countless sponsorships um, with his career and how it's going right now, especially. But he was like, man, if I could even get a Michelob Ultra sponsorship, I'll fight just as hard as you are. So we made that ploy. We'll see if that sponsorship uh, takes off. It has not yet, um, but we'll, we'll see where it leads in the future. <laughs> Well, if, if you need, you know, a, a lower level blue collar sponsor, I mean, Mad Dog Show would love to be a part of your oh, stuff. 
Join the Hammy Show. We'll, we ham it up here. That's, that's <laughs> if you want to know exactly how not to do a podcast, just do the opposite of what we've done because yeah. I think we've done it all wrong. We'd be a case study in what not to do in your podcast class. <laughs> We're pretty much like worldwide prestige and stepbrothers. Sisters, <laughs> <laughs> yes. Oh, that's too good. Yeah, we we uh we, we might be a case study on how not to do it, but. You know, hey, hopefully we're getting a good following. So uh, I'd, I'd like to think we're doing something right. Well, so I'm very interested in this. So you're in an actual class and, and it, it's called what? Podcasting what? What's the title yeah, of the class? The, they, they call it the pod class, um, but it's it's taught by a professor who works with the Red and Black. Um, she was a Grady grad as well. Um, professor Varnum, shout out to her. It's an awesome class. Um, there's about 18 or 20 of us in the class. And that was kind of our first assignment was this interview assignment. And um, I had the connection to Brian Harmon through Bulldog Illustrated. And so I was like, well, why don't I just knock their socks off podcast class and uh, and put him on the show? So me and him talked for uh, you know 30 minutes, which is what the, the whole show on YouTube is. But for the class, we had to narrow it down to four minutes and kind of it's like kind of like a news package. Um, mm-hmm. So, you know, kind of tracking it, narrating, and then using sound bites from him, um, which is kind of the goal, the objective of the class. They want to tell a story, not just the talk show aspect, um, just because the talk show, I mean, we can just chop it up for however long. So the, the actual telling a story is what they want to teach. Now, I want to go into the talk show world. So um, that's kind of how I'm going to promote the Hammy show. But yeah, so I had to chop it down to four minutes, which was pretty tough. And I actually just got my grade back, and I got an 89, and I'm kind of upset about it. I was like, I got Brian Harmon uh, on the interview, and you gave me an 89. So it's uh, it's whatever, though. I mean. I would be pissed. I would be pissed. You just got Brian Harmon out of the gate, and you got an 89. I mean, what do you got to do to get 100? What do you got to do? I, to get I don't know. I mean, it was she the the critique. I hope hopefully she doesn't see this. Um, kind of, <laughs> but uh, she yeah. No, the critique was uh, that I was I was I guess too conversational, not too conversational, but she said my interruptions, my laughs at his jokes, which he's a funny guy. Like I'm gonna laugh. Yeah. Um, you know, like, like it's not really interruption in my book. It's just enjoying a conversation. And uh, yeah, so she she took off that. I was like, how is that 11 points off, though? And uh, I, I mean, it's whatever. We I, I still am, am it, like thrilled that I got Brian Harmon. So the grade is kind of as second tier right now. I'm just happy that I got Brian Harmon on the show. Well, uh, I'm not surprised at all. You you know so many big names already, and you you're gonna know what I'm what's coming next. You know who you have to get for your for you know who you got to get right. You got to go for the Holy Grail. Who am I gonna say? Are you gonna say Maria Taylor? You know I'm gonna say Maria Taylor. I know, I know. She's I mean she's killing the game. She has been for years, and she's a Grady grad. Uh, played volleyball and women's basketball here. She's a stud. And I interviewed her a long time ago. I wish I could go back and redo that interview because I feel like I've grown so much as a writer because it was just a written piece then. And I feel like I could do her so much more justice um, and it'd be fun to catch back up with her. So we're going to try that, try that avenue and uh, we'll see where it takes us. Hopefully we can get her back on the show because that would be just absolutely electric, especially if she could come to, to my little Athens apartment and in the Hammy show, uh, the Hamish show poker room. As you I mean, say. I would hope that Maria could get you an A. Oh yeah. I think, uh, 
I think her being a Georgia grad, which I mean, Harmon is too, but her being a Georgia grad, especially Grady, like I walk into this class and there's a portrait of her right next to the door. And it's like notable graduates from Grady. And it's like Ernie Johnson and her. And right. so if I'd like, I walk past it, walk in the class, slap it on the table. Here's Maria Taylor interview. I mean, that hopefully be a hundred. Um, but I don't know. I mean, it's been stickler grading so far. So we'll see. Is, did I hear, is, is she pregnant? Yes, she is pregnant. Um, and she's, you know, she's now with NBC. The The college game day world is what, is what brought her to stardom. Um, but yeah, she's killing it with NBC Sunday night football, her and Tony Dungy, Jason Garrett, I think is on the show now. So, um, but I mean, she's killing it. She's one of the greatest women in sports right now. Uh, big time Adidas sponsorship. I think that's still her brand. And I mean, she's, she's amazing. So, I mean, she's the queen of football. Oh yeah. hundred percent. Her, her and Carrie Underwood on Sunday night football counted countdown. <laughs> exactly. You know, and I saw her the other day and I mean, she was just holding court and I was like, man, this is just so cool. I actually thought about you and I thought about the piece you wrote. And then I'm in my mind, I'm like, that's who he needs to get. He's I, know, I, want, I want to so bad guy would be so cool, but we'll see. We'll see if that, uh, if, if she'd ever answer again, but I don't know. Maybe she will. She will. Let's manifest it. Yeah, we're manifesting it right now. Right yeah. now here on the Mad Dog Handy Show. <laughs> so you know, you got to have something to do in the meantime. So who's coming up next? So uh, next we have Tim Worley on the show, which, like we were talking about before, I know you've had him on. And uh, you know, I mean, amazing Georgia running back, a great member of RBU, as we like to say. Uh, so I'm super excited about that. Uh, I didn't mention this earlier, but hopefully there's a connection. I'm trying to get Champ Bailey and Garrison Hurst on the show. Oh, the road. Um, killing me. You're killing me, Hammy. No, I know. It's uh, the, the Vance and Cherie. I got to give them a shout out from Bulldog Illustrated. They've hooked me up with countless people, Maria Taylor being one of them. And uh, so they, they just keep keep throwing them out there and giving them to me. And it's, I mean, obviously made a, such a special experience for me throughout this whole young journalism process I'm, I'm a part of so far. Well, I mean, that's what, you know, a big part of UGA is. It's not the grades that you make, it's the hands that you shake. And obviously you're great at networking and done an amazing job so far. You're going to love Tim Worley. I don't know how much time you spent with him, but I mean, he's just a prince of a guy. Oh yeah. I'm, I'm super pumped. I'm, he, he stopped by uh, my parents' tailgate right by the stadium. I think it was a South Carolina or UAB game, but it was, it was this season. Um, with a great mutual friend, Stan Stanfill, son of legendary Bulldog Bill Stanfill. And Stan played on the Georgia football team alongside Tim Worley. So they're like brothers, and Stan is like a godfather to me. So he uh, he introduced us, and, you know, I mean, as you know, Tim is just such a nice guy and was like, I would love to help you out. I would love to be on the show. I would love to for you to write an article on it. So Hopefully it's going to be the, the whole package. I'm going to have him on the show, write an article about it. And uh, yeah, it's, it's going to be a good one. Oh, I'm, I'm sure he'll do all that and more. And I mean, he's, he's so iconic that, you know, he was in Macon, spent practically all day here, you know, took him to some of the best barbecue joints and, and took him to Fincher's barbecue. And I mean, the, the owner of Fincher's walked up. I thought, I think he had a tear in his eye. <laughs> Tim and said, you are my childhood hero. And I mean, then he just, his jaw just dropped and was like, I can't believe Tim Worley is in my restaurant right now. Um, I mean, he's, yeah, he's an absolute legend. And, you know, 
I guess the the great RBU fanatics know him well, but the casual Georgia fan might not know him as well. But he is one of the all-time great running backs at the University of Georgia. Um, you know, we just have a history of him, so he kind of gets maybe brushed under the rug. But, I mean, he is stellar. Uh, I mean, go look at his his track stats. At the oh, numbers he put up in the 100 and the 220, I mean – he was also great at baseball and basketball too. And people don't realize that. And I mean, good grief. He was so big. I mean, what was he like? Six, two and a half, two twenty, two thirty. I mean, he was Derrick Henry before there was Derrick Henry. Yeah, exactly. He is a massive human being. You know, that picture that that's funny. You bring that up. That picture uh, of Derrick Henry standing over Mark Ingram at the coin toss a few years back that mm-hmm. Derrick Henry is just a monster human being. Literally, Tim Worley is that. I think I, I didn't get a picture with him, but I was standing next to him. And I was like, I'm I'm Mark Ingram standing next to Derek Henry. <laughs> um, he, he is he's just a, a specimen and you know just a legend in Georgia history. For sure, man, you're gonna have fun. You're gonna have so much fun with him. Okay, let's let's get to current day. What are your thoughts? What are your feelings? Your emotions on where we are now and where we're going? And uh, so I think, I think Georgia football is in, is in a great hands. Um, we're, we're talking Georgia football, right? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I just want to make sure. Um, so Georgia <laughs> football is, uh, is obviously in great hands. I think um, we might've talked about this, but as long as Kirby Smart is at the helm of the university of Georgia football team, there is no worrying whatsoever um, that the Georgia fan base needs to do. He's an absolute legend. And what Carson Beck did against Kentucky was something I haven't seen since like Aaron Murray versus LSU in 2013. He is an absolute dog. And I, you know, through, through the season, the early season, he kind of, I guess, went through his woes that the, the connection between him and Bobo wasn't there. I don't think there was a trust factor. And Kirby said it on Monday after the Kentucky game. The ability that Carson has is is all has always been there. It was the running game that kind of opened up and let Bobo and Beck uh, kind of get creative with plays. And I think that's just what we've been waiting on. Um, I think that trust is obviously there now. I think Bobo has complete faith in in Beck and is is going to start letting him sling it around the field. And it's it's going to be exciting to watch uh, for the rest of the season. Could not agree more with what you said, and I'll just add, you know, Georgia fans have gotten spoiled in the last two and a half years, and so they're, for whatever reason, there's a certain segment of the fan base that wants to complain, and, you know, they, they pick on Bobo, they pick on Beck, and it's like they've been invited on a Gulfstream ride first class to Hawaii, and they're complaining that their drink's not cold enough. Right, you know, and, and yeah. like, it was so good to just see us have that game to finally just shut that segment of the fan base down, right? And the negativity and just get on board with the rest of us who are super positive, understand that we've become spoiled in the last two and a half years, and, and just say, Okay, guys, enjoy where we're at. We're setting all these records, like, literally, we're breaking four records per game, I think, now between. Home streak, total streak, SEC streak. It's, it's ridiculous. And, yeah, it's ridiculous. And, yeah. and, and, and realize that this team is not last year's team and it's not the year before. It's completely different. Every year we're going to lose, you know, a lot of guys to the portal, a lot of guys to the draft, and it's going to take these guys a little while to grow into their roles as starters. 
Yeah, no, I completely agree. And I think one of the key losses was obviously Todd Munkin. And, you know, Bobo's been a part of the program for many years before. Um, but that that aspect that Munkin added was just something special. Taking Stetson Bennett, a former walk-on, and making him who he was, a Heisman finalist, a two-time national champion, I think is largely credit to Todd Munkin and his offensive system that he ran. And, um, you know, those first few games when when – the, the casual Georgia fan, I guess, is watching us just run it up the middle and like, oh, we're back to Bobo football during the Mark Richt years. I, I completely disagree in that now we're going to see the kind of opening up that, that Munkin brought. There's so many athletes on the field at the University of Georgia in the wide receiver room, in the running back room, on the O-line, that you're, you're going to be successful. Like that, that we have number one roster talent by far, I think, right now. And so just letting Bobo start trusting Beck was the key. And I think, like we said, that trust factor is obviously evident and, and now very much there. And I, I think Beck is just going to continue to have a stellar season. So I do too. I really have been happy with our pass pro and with the number of, you know, targets that he has out there. It's just an embarrassment of riches when you talk about now that McConkie's back. Of course, Bowers, you got Rara, you got Dominic, you got. Marcus Rosemey, Jack Saint, you've got Dylan Bell. And I mean, I've just rattled off about eight without any difficulty. And and there's more Arian Smith. Um, that good grief, man, with his that with the kind of accuracy that he has, it's gonna be just a, it's gonna be different and a, and a different in a good way where we can be a totally pass driven offense if that's what we have to be, or if we just wanna be. Right. No, and I mean the the running back injuries have definitely you know hurt the hurt that running back running back room. But I love Dylan Bell stepping up. I think that is an awesome look when he's in the backfield. He runs just as hard. I think he should be RB two behind Dejan Edwards. He just looks like he's a freak athlete. I mean, and he said I, I'm a running back at heart. It was my first position, my first love. But I mean, like you said, just that talent. The wide receiver room partnered with Carson Beck's accuracy. I know in that Auburn game he missed Delp over the middle, but since then he has just, I mean, been absolutely incredible. He got a little too confident and threw that one pick against Kentucky, but four touchdowns, 389 yards, that is stupid. I mean, that is one of the all-time great Georgia quarterback performances that we've seen in recent history. So I'm super excited. The ceiling is, is nowhere near. We have so much room to grow still. And I think we're, you know, just now getting hot, which is, is, is good in this college football season. And it's important to remind people, and I know you know this, that those numbers that Beck put up, that's three quarters. Right, yeah. <laughs> that was three quarters. Well, yeah, when he, when he had 307 at halftime, you knew it was going to be special. I mean, that was it, it was absolutely a spectacle. And I just love seeing a complete game as well. I mean, I know we're talking about Beck, but – and, and Bowers was a highlight, of course, as always, a highlight reel. But the defense played amazing. Ray Davis, you know, had one of the great SEC running back performances the week before against Florida, and we held him to 59 rushing yards. It's absolutely bar none the most complete game we've played since TCU, so all season. And I think it's going gonna, it's gonna to be a repeated cycle. I think uh, the, the complete aspect that we, that we looked like against Kentucky is going to keep showing up um, throughout the season. Agree. And one thing that I haven't heard people talk about much or I haven't read about much is just the difference in discipline between us and Kentucky. They were making just stupid 
emotional penalties that were just head scratchers. We're like, why are you, you know, teeing off on Van Pran after the whistle? Yeah, that was that was. Cool. Just, they were just killing themselves. Yeah, the false, the false starts, the crowd noise, obviously a factor. I think Sanford Stadium in the SEC is top two and maybe not number two. Um, I would compare maybe Baton Rouge to that uh, that number one spot. Neyland on a good day, but I think Sanford Stadium is a tough place. So props to the Georgia fan. We were elite, in fact, and uh, it, it showed on that Kentucky offensive line. The the cadences weren't there. Devin Leary could not, he was completely rattled and the offensive line was just committing false start after false start and then stupid penalty after stupid penalty that were shooting themselves in the foot. So uh, this, this Georgia fan base is, is definitely loud. And I think after that game, very much pleased with the Georgia Bulldogs right now. I mean, if you can't be pleased with where we are right now, you just can't be pleased. Right. <laughs> okay. Let's dream a little bit in a perfect world where people judge things according to the criteria that they're supposed to judge them by Brock Bowers wins a Heisman. I completely agree. I think you can look across the entire college football landscape, every team, every player, and there is not one player that is more of an X factor, more of an impact player in every aspect of the game. I think his rushing attack, which has been untapped this season, but we saw it in 2022. I mean, on the jet sweep, he's nearly impossible to catch. And in that first game, he had that jet sweep for like seven yards, and it was a touchdown. So, number one, the rushing attack. Obviously, the receiving attack. Attack, But when he's not touching the ball, he is the best blocker on the field. I mean, he is bar none the most talented player on the field in every game we play. I don't care if we play – USC and Caleb Williams, I don't care if we play Washington and Michael Penix Jr., I think Brock Bowers is that guy. He is the number one talent in college football. I agree, and it feels like the media is finally starting to come around to that and get on board with the possibility of of this happening. And and maybe it's because, you know, you look at, you know, the latest numbers I saw were him at eight or nine. Everybody in front of him is a quarterback. Are any of those quarterbacks necessarily so dominant that they're difference makers on their teams to the point where, okay, yeah, you can le- legitimately say this guy is, is obviously the best football player, and I think the answer is no. And then you look at us, you know, just take the Auburn game. I mean, you could easily make the case that you pull off Georgia's jersey off Brock Bowers and slap an Auburn jersey on him, and he plays for them, they win that game. Yeah, I completely agree. I mean, that the, the fourth quarter stretch down that stretch when it is just back to Brock, back to Brock, back to Brock, and they know it's coming and they still couldn't stop it over the middle. It didn't matter. He was sticking a one paw out there and snagging it. I think he literally it won that game for us. And it, it, if, if he does win the Heisman or if he's a Heisman finalist, people will go back and say that was his Heisman moment because that was the most impressive – performance I think by a tight end I've ever seen NFL or college I mean that just that that fourth quarter stretch by him and I think he's got more Heisman moments coming and that's going to be the key is is down the stretch as we play these teams that are you know ranked or more highly ranked between Missouri and Ole Miss and Tennessee you know just having those iconic plays um, I think are what's going to get him to New York and if you look at his Heisman odds from preseason to now he's gone from 120 to one to now 40 to one 
and gone from completely, I think, out of the even top 25 to, again, inside the top 10 with nothing but quarterbacks in front of them, a lot of which will cancel each other out as they play. Um, I mean, I, I don't see how Bo Nix wins the Heisman. I'm sorry. He's been around a long time. He's a good quarterback. Is he, the, is he even the best quarterback in America? No, he's not. Uh, I can make a case that Beck's better than he is. And Beck may be Brock's biggest competition if he keeps putting these big numbers up. You know, I completely agree. I mean, I think Beck has like an 83 QBR um, on 73.5 completion percentage, and he's fourth in the country in passing yards. He's got, I think, 11 touchdowns, just three interceptions. Now, I know the three interceptions are a little glaring, and I think Caleb Williams is like 22 touchdowns and one interception. But I think Caleb Williams and USC will lose a game in the regular season. I don't even think they'll make it to the Pac-12 championship, which doesn't put them in the college football playoff. So Beck has that has that over him, the team aspect that is kind of weighed in on, on the Heisman Trophy. And so I, I just think Beck is, is going to make a surge. I read an article today, and it was uh, – I think it was, the top tier is Bo Nix – uh, Caleb Williams, Michael Penix Jr., and now Dylan Gabriel. And then the second tier is Beck and Brock. And I think people will start to realize as we play Vanderbilt, he's going to have a crazy game where he's only going to play three quarters and still have nearly 400 yards. Florida, I don't think their defense will come near to stopping Beck and Bowers. And then after that, he's going to have maybe a Heisman moment against Tennessee, maybe a Heisman moment against Ole Miss. I think they're just going to continue to light it up. So – he should, I mean, maybe be invited to, to New York, which would be so awesome to see two guys in, in New York and wearing the red and black. Which I mean, Has not, that ever happened? Has that ever happened? So, you know, the year Baker won it, his receiver, D.D. Westbrook, went to New York with him. and But obviously not from Georgia. Nobody's ever done that. Um, so, but Westbrook was in there with the other guys. He was seated next to Baker as a, as a candidate. Yes, yeah, he was – and I think he finished, like, outside – because they invited five people to the Heisman that year, I believe. Um, and I think he finished in the rankings at number six. Like, somebody jumped in and took that fifth spot in the Heisman votes. Um, so, I think if they both got invited to to New York, there's a hot chance that it could be one and two, one and three, one and four – and or or two and three whatever but i think that that combo they're 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 going to be special and if it is if they do end up two and three i mean you can make the case that the guy in second place is really the best player if you didn't have the guy in third place taking his votes right yeah i mean it yeah exactly uh which i guess and if if we're selfish and we want a Heisman Trophy winner, then you don't want both of them going to New York. It would look cool, but I, you know, one would maybe steal the other's votes. Um, but I don't know. I mean, it, it it'd be very interesting to see if we got two guys there. Um, I think, like we said, you know, if if they're both there, one will steal the other votes. Like Baker's year, Baker was going to win it bar none. So D.D. Westbrook wasn't stealing any of his votes. So it, it would be a, a crazy, uh, crazy competition inside the Georgia locker room. Not that we need help with recruiting, but can you imagine if you're going around on the recruiting trail saying, yeah, we had two guys there. We had our tight end there, tight ends who never win or have only won twice in the history of the Heisman. 
and the quarterback. Yeah. I mean, it's, you know, I think that is a huge recruiting play, especially for like Lincoln Riley, who has Baker, Kyler, and now Caleb Williams in, you know, five or six years or whatever it is. That's a huge recruiting ploy for for quarterbacks. Like why why wouldn't you want to do that? But I think if Beck went to New York and we'd have back-to-back years with a Heisman finalist invited, that would very much bode well. And I mean, I know we have Dylan Riola locked up, but I think in the in the future past Riola, it would be hard to turn down Georgia because you're winning championships and you have this shot at going to New York for the Heisman Trophy. Yeah, if we, if we win a, a third one, a third natty in a row, that won't hurt us either. No, not at all. <laughs> <laughs> well, Hammy, what else can you tell us about what's going on with you? I mean, you got you got a lot going on, man. Yeah, it's 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 a busy time right now. Um, the so my my other class uh, that I'm in, I'm in two other classes. I'm only taking nine hours this semester, which is below a full time student, but uh, I'm I'm on track to graduate in spring, so I couldn't complain. And uh, but my other class is a sports broadcasting class. And so every Friday, well, first off, Grady News Source, they put a, a, a news show out throughout the week each day. And Fridays are completely dedicated to high school football. And so uh, I'm part of the they call it Sports Source. And uh, we go out to one of the seven surrounding high schools in the Athens area. So North Oconee, Oconee, Cedar Shoals, Clark Central, Athens Academy, Prince, or Athens Christian. Did I say that? I don't know. And uh, so any any of those seven schools, and uh, we kind of switch roles throughout the week. There's nine people in my class. So I've been a host of the pregame show. I've been a color analyst. I've been a producer of the show. I've been an analyst on the pregame show and uh, and a feature reporter. So it's, uh, and then this week, I'm a, what we call the around, around the eight analyst. So we talk about the other games that we're not going to. Um, but it's a pretty exciting class. I guess it ruins my Friday nights, but it's uh, it's what I want to do. So I thoroughly enjoy, you know, being wrapped up in uh, high school football and and talking about it because I, I love talking. Obviously, <laughs> well, that's awesome, man. If I had to guess, I, I would see you liking color analyst the most. Yes, I loved color analyst, um, and it, it's such a hard thing to get into now because I feel like every color analyst on every major network is a past player. Um, but I would like to think I am in the uh, upper percentages of Americans that know the game of football, and um, I think I could I could fare well as a color color analyst, but I just don't know if if ESPN or NBC or CBS would ever give that to somebody who's not a past player, especially since all of them, I feel like now are, are hopping into. There's broadcast. tons of them that are not. Look at Sean McDonough. He's not a former player. I mean, yeah, I know he's he got was. it in the blood with his dad, but I mean, if you can be a color analyst for a high school football game, or arguably it's tougher than at any other level because you don't have all of the resources and information about these players that you do with college players and pro players. I mean, you're having to do – some serious digging to get the info on that sophomore left guard, you know, and kind of meaningful data on him, you know? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's the preparation is, has kind of kind of been preached upon us. Um, The background research uh, as the most important aspect. And I would obviously completely agree. And at the high school level, it is the most hard 
like the hardest uh, part of, of the call because you're going to max preps, which is not very accurate on high school football rosters, especially for like Athens Christian, who's a smaller school or Cedar Shoals, who isn't a very prominent football program. And you're pulling that as your roster. That's your spotting board. And you don't even know if the guy's name you're putting with numbers is the right one. Um, so you kind of have to double check. You got to go to coaches. You got to go to players. And it, it is a grueling week to prepare as a color analyst for that broadcast. But it is fun. I, I really loved the, the aspect of color announcing, analyzing each play. And the guy I did play-by-play with, I'll shout him out, Rafa Cruz in my class was awesome and we've known each other through this program for three years now and we had a pretty good connection so it, it was a lot of fun man that's so cool one of the things we did before as we were testing out how to do this show is we me and my high school football coach went to a local establishment to call the georgia clemson game <laughs> and was- there were five friends in the room and it is a lot harder than it looks yeah, the guys, the professionals make it look very easy. I mean, I know we're, we're spoiled with Chris Fowler and Kirk Herbstreit on primetime college football. And my newfound respect for them is they're, they're amazing at what they do. Chris Fowler has been like my idol since day one that I wanted to be a journalist. And I didn't really like Kirk prior to because he's an Ohio State fan. But now that I've done what he's done, and it, I, I have so much respect for him, and he knows football better than all, probably anybody in, in the world, I would say. He's good. I don't think he likes Georgia, but I will concede that he's good. Okay, last thing I got for you, nightmare scenario. Are you ready? Here's the nightmare scenario. Oregon runs the table. Oklahoma runs the table. Penn State runs the table to win the Big Ten, and Florida State runs the table. All four of them are undefeated, okay? We get to the SEC championship, and we lose to a one-loss Alabama. So you've got four teams undefeated. you got one-loss Alabama, SEC champion. you got one-loss Georgia, SEC runner-up. Do we get in? So if – I'm thinking we would be number one. We'd hold that number one spot until the SEC championship, wherein we theoretically lose, um, unless like Michigan jumps us the week before with like a 49 to three win over Ohio State. Um, So I I theoretically think we hold that number one spot. I think Oklahoma passes the eye test with a big win over Texas. I think that was – I, the most impressive wins thus far in the college football season. Um, Dylan Gabriel is a really good quarterback. Yes. And um, Oregon, they would have the win over Washington, which would be their big one. Penn State would have a win over Michigan and Ohio State, both correct? Would the, did they play both? No, Oregon doesn't play Ohio State. No, 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 Penn State. Penn State plays Penn both. State would have beaten at that point Michigan and Ohio State. So that okay, so that that that, that resume is probably the best. Um, that is a tough question. And Florida State, I think Florida State would be the the spot we could slip in because they that 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 squeak out win against Clemson, who's not a good football team this year. But man, it would be tough to put us in. I would say that I think 
we'd probably be in that five spot and be the first two out, which would be crazy because no SEC team would be in for the first time in college football playoff history. So that is a nightmare scenario. That's all I have to say. So, but I was thinking what you were saying was Florida State may slide out to move either us or Alabama in, and in this case it would be Alabama. Yeah, because they'd, they'd be the one loss with the head-to-head. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, they, they'd get the SEC bid. Um, but, what, hmm, this is a tough question. I told you it was a nightmare scenario. Okay, so this leads to my strategy. My, it's not a strategy, but my hope every year, and that is I want everyone outside the SEC to lose. Yeah. Often. Yeah, I think I think the them beating themselves up um, is is about the best thing that you could ask for 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 from the SEC, just because, especially this year for us, because our schedule is so weak, um, and you know our statement win. I guess if it happens to be Tennessee or Ole Miss, it's probably that. Maybe Kentucky because we absolutely throttled them. But I mean. I think the Pac-12, which I, this is first of all hilarious, that their best year of college football in recent history is this year, and it's the last year of them. Right. Um, with you know Oregon, Washington, and USC all being very top tier teams. Um, so first of all, I think those three. The, the the nightmare scenario is a small percentage because those three I think beat each up, beat each other up, and they all drop at least a game, and then. Their Pac-12 championship champion is is a one-loss team, maybe a two-loss team. Um, so it is. But if 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 Oregon were to win out, that is, it'd be hard for Georgia to slide in. Well, you want Texas to beat Oklahoma in the Big 12 championship. You want Michigan to beat Penn State to beat Ohio State to turn right back around and meet Michigan. So all three of them have a loss. So who cares who wins that? Right here, but they all, they, you know, they've got that loss. Somewhere along the way, you want the Pac-12 to cannibalize itself, which, who do you think is going to win between Oregon and Washington? I think Washington wins this weekend. I think they, um, Penix, I think, is the better quarterback than Bo Nix. And that first month of football, and I'm kind of buying into to the, the, I guess, hype around them. Um, they played the best football in the country, just consistent, dominant wins um, in their first four games. And I think Penix is a legit quarterback. I think he'll be a top draft pick. Um, so I think I think they take down old Bo Nix, Dan Lanning, and the Oregon Ducks. Um, I just don't think Bo Nix kind of has that dog winning mentality inside him. Um, and I think he might be a, a decent NFL quarterback, but I just don't think – He's got the big game mentality yet. I've, I, for some reason, think the Ducks are going to win, maybe just because I'm a landing guy. And if I'm being honest, I can't tell you who the co- coach is of Washington. Who is it? Uh, DeBoer. I think his first name is Mike DeBoer. Um, a relative unknown. I mean, that's a tough yeah. question. I mean, if I asked 10 people that question that walked in this room, nobody would know that. Yeah, no, I, I, I agree. I mean – Washington is a bit of an unproven um, team, you could say. Uh, but I just think they've been playing really a really good brand of football in the opening weeks, the first half of the season. And, I mean, like I said, Penix is just – he's a rock star. He's a, he's a really good quarterback. Maybe the – I would maybe go to say the best left-handed quarterback since Tim Tebow because I don't know any others. 
I remember him at Indiana, and I remember how good he was, and I really haven't had a chance to see him play since he's gone to Washington, so I'm looking forward to that. Yeah, the Pac-12 after dark kind of messes up our whole uh, getting to watch some of those some of those dogs play out there like like Caleb Williams too. And and the committee's going to be you know sentimental about the Pac-12 this year. They're going to want to do anything they can to get one of those guys in. Yeah, that is that is a very good point. They are going to, I guess, have the the bid of good juju um, around them. Um, but I also think it, it might they, it's going to be kind of half and half in that room that selection committee because half will want to to let the Pac-12 do that, but half would maybe not because it just shows how poorly run the Pac-12 is and the fact that they're literally shutting down as a conference after this season. So I don't know. That half will be uh, of the uh, the take of, hey, you selfish idiots who turned down all of that money, this is what you get. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Well, Hammy, man, it's been so much fun catching up as always, man. I wish you all the success. Not that you need me to because you're already well on your way. But, man, can't wait to see you in Athens soon. Oh, yeah. Yes, sir. Go dogs. Thank you so much for having me back on. Absolutely. Anytime. Go dogs. Y'all go watch the Hammy Show. Thank you very much. Yes, sir. Tell Tim I said hello. I will. Yes, sir. So I can't believe it, but all the way from Canada, we got Quincy Mauger. What's up, Quincy? Yes, sir. sir. How you doing, Bob? I'm doing better now that I'm talking to you. So, Quincy, you played your your last year. Was it with Kirby? Yes, sir. His, uh, his first year was my, my last year. So you got a little taste of Kirby, then off to the NFL. Yes, sir. And, yes, sir. and now you're playing in the CFL, which is super cool. You're playing with the BC Lions, right? Yes, sir. Over here in uh, Vancouver, British Columbia. Man, let me tell you something. That's one place that is on my list. I want to go up there. I want to go to Whistler and Blackcomb, go snowboarding. I'm telling you, look, the, the scenery, the food, uh, the people, everything over here is unmatched. I tell you, everybody who's listening, watching, uh, please tap in and just, just enjoy life over here because it's, it's definitely top tier. <laughs> Man, it looks beautiful there. I would think it'd be already be freezing, but it doesn't look like it. You know, uh, it's it, it kind of reminds me of Georgia. You know, sometimes it's uh, sometimes it's hot, sometimes it's cold. Last week it was just uh, like forty degrees, but now it's like uh, high sixties. Wow! And right now it's rainy and muggy here. Oh yeah, so you see, it, it definitely gives me Georgia vibes. <laughs> so, as a DB. You've, you've got maybe the biggest adjustment of all. I mean, everybody has an adjustment going to the CFL because there's 12 guys on each side. The field 65 versus 52 yards. The field is 110 yards long. You've got the goalpost basically on the goal line. But then the biggest adjustment is for the DBs because the receivers can be running full speed at the line of scrimmage. So how is that adjustment for you? Yeah, the, the waggle. When I first when I first seen it firsthand, it was kind of uh, a little scary because you got guys that just running four five four fours, you know, straight down, full headed team while you're stationary. Um, and so it was definitely a big adjustment. Try not to, you know, do any holding or any uh, illegal, you know, touching beyond five yards. Um, but at the end of the day, once you kind of, you know, 
calm down and relax. Uh, you, you still know it's still, it's still football, so they can't do too much um, without you know without the football. Sure, but you've got that makes it harder for DB. Then you've got all this extra space for the wide receivers to be running around in. And it's funny because you really wouldn't know how wide that football field until you start running. And so that was one of the, the biggest adjustments for me as far as just conditioning. Uh, and if a guy's running sideways, just know that you got to be hauling ass to, to actually get to that side. <laughs> so on defense, with that, is that extra man? Sometimes it's a lineman, sometimes it's a linebacker, sometimes it's a DB. It just depends on situation. Yeah, yeah, we, we still got different packages. Sometimes it's, uh, it's most likely an extra DB, uh, just extra fast guy to get some sideline to sideline. Uh, but, you know, different teams, you know, they fancy a different uh, style. Um, so they might put an extra uh, linebacker um, just, you know, for the run. It's however you want to scout, scout up the offense. Um, but, yeah, it's definitely a big change up, but – and it's definitely fun, top tier. And the athletes out here, I don't know what you've heard, but these are some high caliber guys. Oh, man, when you turn on the TV and you're watching the CFL, I mean, the, the only thing that looks different is the field. Man, that's the only thing different. The skill level, the, the excitement. I mean, it's still football at the end of the day right there. Okay, another question. Educate me. I know the receivers can be running towards the line of scrimmage, but you can have multiple players in motion. Is that right? So, yeah, you can have about, I want to say, uh, three guys at, at, uh, at a waggle. Um, of course, you still got to have a certain amount of guys on the line. Uh, but as far as guys who's motioning, uh, I think that's it's up to like three to four. But I mean, it's 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 second down and five, and all of a sudden you got three receivers moving around, and when they hit the line of scrimmage, they're going full speed. Yes, yes, and so that's why you know watching film and trying to really dissect, you know, the tendencies can really help. But at the end of the day, it's like, okay, well, let's see who's a, who's a real ball player. <laughs> yeah, exactly, man. That is, I mean, as it's almost like a defensive back's worst nightmare. It's letting the line of scrimmage at full speed. It definitely is. But, you know, like playing in the SEC, you know, you've seen it all, to be honest. I've seen uh, Odell Beckham in a, in a tight LSU-Georgia game. And, you know, when you see something like that, I'm, I'm pretty sure you, you'll be prepared for it today. So you had, to co- you had to cover OBJ? Yeah, just one time. You know, him, Jarvis Landry, it was – it was definitely some uh, some ball players in the SEC, which I'm glad to say that I competed there. I mean, that's that's major major street cred there when you can you say you covered those guys, and not only that, street cred because you played for Rick and Kirby, and Kirby being a defensive back. What was your main some of your main takeaways from the one year you had with Kirby? Uh, man, just uh, being very detailed and being attentive to you know saying your your craft. Uh, knowing where your eyes are supposed to be. And, you know, he always preached about, you know, leadership. Um, so, you know, being that my, it was my last year, you know, he had a lot of guys kind of step up and, you know, just take that leadership role. So it didn't matter how young or how old you were. So um, that was something that, you know, I kind of took away from that. Um, of course, you know, we didn't have the year that we wanted that, you know, he's been having these past previous, previous years. 
but you know, once a dog, always a dog. So I'm always happy that the dog are with us. Yeah, man, you, you got the right attitude. I think it's so cool that, you know, you got to play for, you know, both in both of those coaching legacies. That's 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 special. Can't take it, can't take it, take it back. And I, that's a memory I'll always live with. So do you, do you ever get to come back to games or you're usually full tilt with your season, right? I, I'm, I'm pretty, uh, I'm pretty full tilt over here, you know, uh, from during the season. Um, and I don't usually uh, get off until I want to say end of November. So in the back end, I'll be able to kind of come to the games. Uh, but even then, I still got family to go see. Uh, so I try to I try to catch as much games as I can, uh, and, uh, you know, physically. But you know, wherever I'm at, I'm definitely always tuned in. So so when will when will the Canadian Football League season be over? Uh, it will be. A, like November, mid-November. That's when our Great Cup is. So, I mean, you can be back for the SEC championship game. Almost definitely. You know, if, if the dogs will allow me uh, out there, yeah, I'll definitely uh, show some love and be out there. I'm sure they can get you a field pass. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I ain't asking for too much. You know, I just want to be out there, you know, support my dog. <laughs> hey, you got to come down to Macon and see your second family, the Neals. Oh, come on now. You know I got to go – I always tap in with Papa John. Uh, big first of all, big shout out to them. You know, John, Ford, Smith, uh, Baby Girl, Toodles, and I love the whole family. Oh man, I do too. Hey, like I said, the Sanford Company is the presenting sponsor for the Mad Dog Show. So, see, look, I'm right where I'm supposed to be. Then this is just the right, the right uh, show that I need to be on. That's right. Now, tell me how you met them again. Oh man, he's uh he funded a scholarship and we went to a scholarship uh endowment uh dinner or lunch and uh you know I kinda met the the younger daughter Toodles. Yep. Uh, no baby girl and Smith first and uh and John offered me uh uh an internship at his uh, insurance firm, which funny enough he encouraged me to get uh, a license, uh which I ended up working for him, you know, during the off season and stuff like that. But he has definitely uh, been just uh, very great to me. Uh, grateful to have him in my life and his whole family. This, like I said, Toodles is top tier. Uh, if you know, you know. But <laughs> I know. Hey, I know. I know Toodle. I know exactly what you mean. I love the family. Yeah, man, they're they're top shelf for sure. All of them. John's one of the most generous guys you'll ever meet. Most definitely. Most definitely. Well, man, you need so somebody funny. like him in your corner every time. Oh, absolutely. If you're on John Neal's team, it's y'all against the world. I'm for real. And you're winning. And you're winning. That's right. And you're winning. That's exactly how you should put it. So what are you, what you about to do right now, man? Uh, right now, uh, I'm over here coaching up the kids right now. Uh, at a high school, you know, just trying to give back uh, to the community, you know, with my presence and with my knowledge of football. And so just trying to – you know, be involved as much as I can. Man, that's what it's all about. Giving back. Yes, sir. Show them show them the Quincy technique. Oh, hey, hey, I, I, I said when I, in the intro to the show, I was talking about how cool your name is. And I said, I said, Quincy's last name, it should be a verb, as in when somebody tackled somebody, they say, oh, man, he really maugered that running back. <laughs> <laughs> 
you know, hey, look, I've, I've, hey, it's funny because I've always heard it so many, so many different ways. Munger was probably my most favorite one. Uh, and it's completely wrong, but it's completely one of my favorites. <laughs> All right, man. Well, I know you got to get to it from one practice to the next, but I sure do appreciate you covering out some time for us. I definitely appreciate you having me on the show. All right, my brother. Go dogs. Go dogs. Stay blessed. You too. Back by popular demand, it's the stat freak, Bert Hodges from dogbone.net. How you doing? Mad dog. I'm doing great. I got stats coming out of my ears this week. I love it. I love it. Lay them on us. So let's jump right in because we are going to keep Scott Park busy today uh, running through all the stats from this past weekend and how we look in the SEC and nationally. Um, The first one that I want to look at is um, Saturday night. That beat down at Sanford Stadium truly was something. And um, if you look at the Georgia versus Kentucky team stats, uh, the thing that's going to jump out at you is that yards per play. We were at 8.3, which I didn't go back and research that much, but for a game against a top 20, I guess they were 20th when we played them. Mm-hmm. For a game against the top 20 team, outside of maybe TCU in the national <laughs> I was going to say TCU. <laughs> it is funny. Graham Coffey brought this up. He said – Statistically, that Kentucky game was almost an offensive mirror image of TCU as far as efficiency, yards, everything except the score, basically. So um, we had it really dialed in Saturday night. Uh, Kentucky, who, if you recall last week, came in with the highest net yards per play in the SEC, um, they – we're at a minus 4.6 for this game. So we were plus 4.6. Kentucky was a minus 4.6. Wow. That's a reversion to the mean, I think. It is. And, you know, when you hand a stat like that to Mark Stoops, his only response could be, <laughs> what? Georgia must have pay- paid those guys a whole lot more than we did. Right. <laughs> what so, else could you say? you've got nothing else to say. Come on, Kentucky fans. You got to pony up some more money because clearly we are behind in the arms race and it is affecting our performance on the field. Well, (laughs) if if he's waiting for that to happen, it's going to be a long wait. It it is a long time. When, when they catch up with us in the arms race, um, I will be duly concerned, but not until that point. So, um, all right, jumping on to the next one. We wanted to, on last week's show, we wanted to check off a couple of boxes Saturday night. And, you know, we talked about uh, Carson gaining confidence in the Auburn game. And that second half comeback, you know, we discussed it a little bit. And it really felt like he, he found his groove in the second half of that game. And it really carried over into into the Kentucky game. The other box we wanted to check there was coming out strong in the first half. And that play, that pass to Rosemi Jack Saint and that touchdown, I mean, you really got the feeling that it was going to be our night at that point because we had receivers running all over the field wide open. They couldn't figure out who to cover, when to cover. 
and uh, it was 34 to seven at halftime. So the halftime stats truly were something to behold. Carson was 21 to 26, 307 with three TDs. Rosemary Jack Saint had four receptions for 99 yards and a touchdown. Bowers, five receptions, 97 yards. Ra-Ra, three receptions, 32 yards, and a brilliant touchdown catch. Dejon had four, rece- four receptions of 40 yards and then five carries for 39 yards. And a half. I mean, those are stats for a full game. And a half. I mean, that was – we we could not have been any more efficient than we were in the first – I mean, we were just methodically breaking them apart. It was just a – a beautiful thing to behold. I mean, we'd been waiting and waiting and waiting for this and then starting to question if it could even happen. Yeah. And then boy did it. Yeah. You know, we were wondering if, if and when the angry dogs were going to show up and you got to wonder, like, is this just our MO where we're just going to kind of vanilla along until we get challenged, you know, until another team really challenges us and the media challenges us and those guys, just take it to another level at that point? I mean, is that just how how we're going to be? It feels like it. I mean, it feels like we're playing poker, like you said, and we're going to keep it vanilla until we just have to do something, have to show something. Yeah. And then we're going to show as little as possible. You know, and so you look at this week, um, it's it's not going to happen this week because, you know, flipping over to our next stat is us versus versus Vandy. And, uh, if there's ever a game that's going to be hard for us to get motivated for statistically, it is us versus Vandy because this is such a ridiculous mismatch in almost every category that um, it uh, you know you got to wonder if we're gonna we're gonna pad that net yards per play even more after this game. Uh, defensively, we're eighth in the nation. Vandy's offense is 120th in the nation. Uh, our offense is seventh in the nation. Vandy's defense is 105. Um, yeah, those two stats portend uh, poorly for Vandy going into this game. I assume it's going to be a Georgia home crowd there. They tore down half their stadium, so there's only going to be, what, like 15,000 people there now. I don't think Georgia fans even want to go there anymore. I know, right? <laughs> yeah, I mean, you got to stand on the sideline like the old, old college football days. Um, <laughs> <laughs> at uh, Piedmont Park, stuff like that. Um, right. All right, Georgia's pass offense, number six nationally. Vandy is 122 in pass defense. Georgia is number two in pass defense. And Vandy is number 81 in pass offense. So outside of like multiple pick six scenario for Vandy um, and a couple of touchdown or kickoff runbacks for touchdown, there's no way this game's close. So right. um, I, I don't think we need to d- discuss Vandy anymore. Okay. Um, I'm calling it a bye week 0.0 before we have our actual bye week next week where we play the toughest team on our schedule with is us. That's it. Yeah, right. So keep everybody healthy going into um, our our week against ourselves, and then then we got the Gators. Um, looking at our stats midway through the season, so shout out to Trent Smallwood on this. Um, our pass offense in the SEC is first. Uh, we're fifth nationally. Total offense is second, only behind LSU 
and we're eighth nationally. Scoring offense, we're third. Um, third down conversions, we're second. Pass defense, we're second in the SEC. 12th nationally, total defense, second, 11th nationally. And scoring defense, we are first in the SEC and 10th nationally. So scoring offense, we're third in the SEC, and scoring defense, we're first. That's a great combination, and you're going to see it, how that plays out in the SEC net yards per play. And, and what, real quick, jumps out at me as I look at this and digest it is – it's much more meaningful where you rank in the SEC versus what people pad and nationally. I mean, That's you, it. you got yeah. Mac in there, you got SWAC in there, you got all these other little, you know, you got the Pac-12 in there. I mean, where the numbers get so skewed by the mm-hmm. defense and our high-powered offense against the no defense. So, yeah, you get some random teams that will be up in like the top ten nationally and something that or clearly irrelevant in the national scene. Exactly. Yeah, right. So SEC matters for sure. All right, this is a good one. Dr. SEC, shout out here for um, this stat. But UGA has now tied Tennessee 1937 to 1941 for the longest regular season winning streak in SEC history at 33 and assuming we we beat Vandy on Saturday, we're going to break that all-time SEC regular season winning streak. That's insane. And and I just discovered Dr. SEC, by the way, and I've I, yeah. I, I talked about some of this stuff earlier. And uh, so it's cool that you picked up on the same guy. Do you know who he is? I don't. It, it almost feels like he's a Georgia fan a little bit, but, um, I mean, he – Seems like a little Georgia Homer comes out in him, but um, I, I don't know for sure. Or is it another alias from Blutarski? Could be. <laughs> yes, right. <laughs> that guy just rolls with aliases. Yeah, exactly. Right. And, you know, the, the interesting thing about this stat, too, is if you go back to our regular season winning streak, um, our last loss was against Florida in 2020, and that was COVID year which barely counts anyway, because um, we didn't even get a spring practice. Yeah, everybody's playing under the same scenario and all that. But Munkin came in that year, so we didn't even get to practice with Munkin prior to the season. Like, there was so much chaos that year. I don't even count it statistically. So, really, you have to go all the way back to 2019 to the South Carolina just inexcusable loss to – chalk up our last regular season loss. Right. It's, I mean, when you talk about going back to 1937, that's just, that's mind blowing. It really is. And yeah, I mean, those incredible Alabama teams over the years, um, yeah. none of them have done this. So it's uh it is, it's a stat to behold. Um, all right. Looking at defensive scoring efficiency. And this one jumped out at me. Um, just because it surprised me a little bit that we're number one actually in the SEC in defensive scoring efficiency. Um, Alabama really, if you look at Alabama overall, they are riding their defense right now because their offense still has a lot of problems. And um, they can't run the ball. Uh, Passing yards are way down over what they usually are. But as far as offensive and defensive efficiency goes, we're really the only team that has put both of those together. 
Um, but I was surprised that we're number one and let's hope we stay there and we just keep, keep improving on that. Is, is that basically defensive points per game? Yeah. So that measures a lot of different metrics, but um, yeah, it, it's a calculation of it, not just pure scoring, but um, where, where they start with the other team starts with the ball and things uh-huh. like that that factor into it. Sounds like a complicated algorithm. It is. I, I won't. I, I won't try to explain it because I can't. But. It's like um, Kirby trying to explain getting called for uh, disconcerting signals. No, right. about it. He goes, "It's complicated." It is complicated. I hope it doesn't go away though, because it's like our best play. Yeah. You know, that what do we call it? The false start frenzy or false start fiasco? Fiasco. Yeah. Depends exactly. on Buffalo's mood as to which one he calls it. Right. Yeah. Well, it worked again Saturday night. So, yeah. Until yeah. we got penalized for it. Yeah. Yeah. And I think the whole title of the penalty is terrible. I mean, disconcerting signals. Can't we come oh. up with a better name for the penalty than that? Yes. I know. There needs to be a better adjective there than disconcerting. It's That's like, why did the right. girl break up with you? She was giving me disconcerting signals, and we, I mean, it just doesn't make sense for football. Yeah. It's distressing. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right. We're into Brocktober. So let's look at Brock Bowers for just Brocktober. Oh my goodness. Um, so here is where he ranks among tight ends for the year. 37 receptions, first nationally, 548 yards, first nationally, four touchdowns. He's tied for third, 16 missed tackles for us. He's first in that, and then 26 first downs. Um, we have got to strategize a way that we can raise enough NIL money to keep this guy around next year. What do you think we do? Wow. Wow. I've not even, I haven't even thought of that. I mean, that we're talking, I don't even know if there's a number. I thought of a number and it, I think it's 9.2 million and that's not an arbitrary number. I was thinking of this scenario. So we've got, 92,000 seats in the Sanford Stadium. Okay. So, you know, everybody's ponying up tickets the whole year. What if everybody just ponied up an extra 100 bucks for each seat in the stadium, and that'll get us to $9.2 million. And I actually looked it up. Travis Kelsey's getting paid $14.5 million this year. So for Brock coming in to forego the NFL, stay at Georgia one more year, and obliterate every single record known to man, I think we could do it with $9.2 million. I I love where your heart's at. I don't know if if that's doable, but count me in. I'll put Maybe. my 100 bucks in for that all day long. My, my question is on this stat is, okay, he's tied for third with four TDs. Who's in second and who's in first and how many touchdowns do they have? Do you know? Yeah, I don't know. I really haven't looked at all the tight end conversation in college football is centered around Brock Bowers. I have no idea mm-hmm. who else is any good at tight end nationally. Well, hey, I mean, it could be that first place is five TDs and there's two guys, right? Yeah, right. Yeah, and um, it, it, there was another stat. Of, I may botch it a little bit, but he had um, – this was his third game in a row with – over 100 yards and a touchdown, and I think his 10th total, um, which is the highest 
ever for a tight end in college football over their career. Wow. Yeah. 10, 10 games over 100 yards and a touchdown. No tight end has ever done it until Brock Bowers did. Saturday ever. Night. Ever. Yeah, ever in the history of college football. Brocktober. Brocktober, baby. Brocktober rocks on. You know, it's the only unfair thing about Brocktober is we have a, bri- a bye week. We're I know. We're going to miss him. Yeah. We get deprived of him one weekend. Right. Exactly. Well, we need Brovember, too, because that's when he really needs to come to play. Brockvember? <laughs> Brockvember, Brovember, <laughs> yes. Man, that stretch, I mean – if you look at the rest of this season, I mean, you know, it's, we get by Vandy, we have by we we go down to Jacksonville, hopefully take care of business. We'll see how good Florida. I mean, Florida is such an enigma. Um, yeah. You know, do they beat South Carolina this week, or they get run over? They can't play well on the road. Who knows? Um, maybe you know they consider Jacksonville a road game too. Hopefully, they do. And we run over, run over them there, and then it is this three-game stretch in November that's truly going to dictate whether we can um, have our our third consecutive unbeaten regular season. Oh my gosh, so, so <laughs> much! The, the history is—I keep using the word mind-boggling, but that's what it is. I mean, yeah, well, I mean, now you you look at our regular season winning streak. We are just after Vandy, we're going to just be adding to it. We are going to be at the top, and every win we get from there is just going to be adding to that record. So, um, yeah, let's let's hope we make it through. All right. Um, let's let's get to our favorite stat, which is SEC net yards per play. And this is courtesy of Senator Blutarski over at Get the Picture. And as he said in his commentary this week, there is a new sheriff in town, and it is the old sheriff. (laughs) And it is the Georgia Bulldogs at 2.82. Kentucky, who was at, let's see, Kentucky was at 2.63 last week, and with that negative 4.6 beatdown against us, they dropped all the way back to sixth place in 1.41. So, um, when you play us, we're gonna we're gonna set you back on your net yards per play. Um, Tennessee gets uh, their by default their number two because they didn't play last week, um, and they are the only team over two at two point two two besides us. Um, Ole Miss at three one point eight six, Missouri at four one point five nine. Texas A&M, Kentucky, Bama's all the way at seven still. Um, you know, we it, it feels like in a way that Bama's kind of um, making their claim to the SEC West, but it, uh, I mean, statistically, they if they keep doing this, they're going to get beat by somebody. 1.3 yards per play is not going to get it, net yards per play is not going to get it done the rest of the year. LSU, still an enigma, 7.81 yards on offense and 6.69 on defense. Um, I mean, if they could figure out their defense, they could be a good team because um, Jaden Daniels is a player. I mean, that guy is a stud, and they've got a great offense. They just they can't stop anything. So – um, you know, maybe they figure it out before Bama. We'll see. 
Uh, Florida's at ninth, Auburn's at 10th, all the way down to at, Vanderbilt's actually not in last. They're in tw- oh, 12th, South Carolina 13th, and then Arkansas 14th. Um, you know, we talk about our magic number here, really, which is on offense, it's seven yards per play, and on defense, it's four yards per play. And that was around where we were at in 2021 and getting down to four yards per play is a challenge because I mean you have got to have a stellar D to hold another team to four yards per play staying over seven on offense for the year also a challenge I mean you're consistently moving the ball to get seven yards per play we're pretty close I mean you know three a plus three net yards per play um, there is virtually no way that you're going to get beat in a game unless there are just some crazy other things that happen. So, um, you know, maybe we padded it a little bit more against Vandy. Um, so we'll see on that. Uh, let's look at net at, um, nationally how that kind of stacks up because yeah. the national picture is interesting because we've still got some teams that are just like completely off the chart net yards per play. And the two top teams coincidentally play each other this weekend. So I can't wait to see how that plays out. You got to think both of these guys will drop because neither of them is going to net yards per play four plus four for this game. So something's got to give here, but Oregon's at 4.06. Uh, Washington's at 3.74. Miami, we're not even going to count them after that fiasco in uh, Coral Gables or wherever they played, 2.91. What if they run the table? What if after that, then they run the table and that's their only loss? I think they get penalized so much. I I think they're they're in jail for the rest of the year just by virtue of how poorly – I mean, not even just from a coaching standpoint. I mean, you could just say, all right, coaching was atrocious in that game, but Georgia Tech still had to score at the end. You know, they still had to drive down the field and score. And the last play of the game, the Georgia Tech receiver got behind four defenders for Miami on the last play of the game. How does that happen? How does that happen? It was a brilliant combination of poor execution and poor coaching. Um, but yeah, I don't think that I, I think they should be penalized in some way for that. So, and they played North Carolina this weekend. So maybe they lose to North Carolina and then just put, puts them out of their misery. Um, UCLA is kind of um, a team that's under the radar, but they are in fourth right now. And it's really by virtue of they played a, I think it was Portland State or somebody, and they had like eight net yards per play. So we've still kind of got these statistical outliers popping up in here. Uh, Then there's Ohio State and Georgia at, um, let's see, five and six. Um, And we're right together. Ohio State's at 2.85. We're at 2.82. It feels like we're, after last week, it feels like we're better than Ohio State, though, right now. Um, you know, they've struggled a lot in games. They struggled against Maryland in the first half. You know, granted, we struggled prior to that, but um, it, they just haven't looked that impressive yet. But statistically, um, they they look pretty good. 
USC, I'm not even going to count them because their defense is so bad that um, I, you just got to – it feels like they're going to lose to somebody. They're giving up almost six yards per play. They're not as bad as LSU, but they're bad. Um, and they play Notre Dame this weekend, so yep. those two are right together, so that'll be interesting. And then Michigan is all the way down. It looks like about nine or ten um, to Michigan and Tennessee – I guess are the only other two relevant teams there. And then Texas, a little bit below them. So as far as relevance goes, that's it nationally. Penn State kind of jumps out at you at how low their defensive points, uh, yards per play is at 3.79. They're way down the pack. Yep. Yeah. And you look, they're highlighted in pink on offense because – Offensively, they're only gaining 5.3 yards per play, and that, that's really low. So, um, that uh, yeah, they you, you got to wonder if, when they get in the meat of their schedule, I guess, do they play Michigan and Ohio State yes. this year? Yeah. Yes. Okay. They play Ohio okay. State next week. Okay, yeah. So, that will flesh itself out then. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, last that I want to look at is Southeastern Conference – passing leaders and this one also jumped out at me because you know as much as we have heard about Mike Bobo over the course of this year prior to last week and it's funny how everybody shut up after last week but um, Georgia and SEC passing offense uh, we lead in total attempts total completions total yards and yards per game. And just for perspective, we're at 349 yards per game um, this year. Last year, we were at 295. And the in 2021, we're at 251. So we're almost 100 yards more per game than we were in the 2021 National Championship season. Uh, Carson is throwing a completion rate of 72%. Uh, Stetson was at 68% last year and 64% in 2021. So, um, you know, if, if Carson truly is getting getting his legs under him and um, he plays with the confidence he did last Saturday night, then um, our offense could just be a brutal machine. It really can be, especially as the running backs get healthier. Um, yeah, Kendall Milton, you know, we talked about Kendall Milton and him being hurt and just not looking like himself. He started to look like himself Saturday night and Kirby talked about it. And I mean, what a huge boost it is for us. I mean, with not, not having Branson Robinson and not having that option, we really need Kendall Milton in there. Big time. If he can just get through this week and then he'll have a bye week to hopefully get 100% before Florida and the, and the stretch run. Yeah. I just, man, it, it, we're going to be hard to stop. We are. Yeah. And I think it helps Dejon so much just to have him rotating in with another really experienced running back. We need, we need two experienced running backs in the backfield. We always operate this that way. Yeah. And then, you know, you spell them with cash with Paul and hopefully eventually we get Robinson back. Yeah. So, and yeah, and maybe Lynette Whitehead shows up too, right? You know, at this point, I'm thinking he's looking at a red shirt. <laughs> I know. Kirby never mentions him. You know, he talks about, hey, we're putting a wide receiver at running back, but we're not, we're not starting Lynette, 
Lineth Whitehead. So, I, yeah. I think he's having a tough time picking up the pass pro. <laughs> That's all I can something. figure out because yeah. he's big. Yeah. Uh, all right. Well, that w- that's it on the stats. I mean, we, it was kind of an overload this week, but, um, you know, Saturday night was great. It's so fun to get up on Sunday and look at, like, how ridiculously efficient we were in that game, and I hope we keep it going. Yeah, I mean, I was at a wedding, and I was able to relax, you know, just watching the mm-hmm. score fly up to 34-7 at half. You know, I, I, yeah. I had no worries in the second half. I know I was at Clemson parents weekend and I was having dinner with some of my son's parents, friends, parents. And um, I had my phone on my lap and um, was having a normal conversation with a bunch of parents that I didn't know. And I wasn't freaking out. Right. I was not in freak out mode. You were present. You were able to be present. I was. My wife was very happy about that. She had friends (laughs) about it all week. (laughs) <laughs> major brownie points for Bert being present. That's it. I mean, thank goodness. You know, if we were, if we were down like we were at Auburn, I don't, I wouldn't have been at the table. You know? Yeah. So exactly. that way you can carry on a normal conversation with no. people at that point. No. You know? And how could they expect you to? Right. Exactly. <laughs> Our wives know us. They, they know <laughs> how we are. They do. Yeah. <laughs> All right, that's it. Well, right. uh, you know, on to Vandy and um, bye week, and um, let's uh, let's stay healthy. Stay healthy is the motto. Appreciate you always coming in, Bert. All right, go dogs. Go dogs. See ya. And our favorite guest, or should I say, the favorite amongst the Mad Dog Nation, arguably Buffalo. <laughs> What's up? Bad dog, how you feeling this evening? Man, I mean, I don't know that I could be feeling any better after what I witnessed Saturday night. Me neither. Uh, that was just what the doctor ordered. The the small segment of the Georgia fan base that were naysayers about Beck and Bobo now officially have zero that they can say. They need to just be positive. I don't know how they won't be able to be positive after we play Vandy, a team who hasn't scored a point against us since 2018. <laughs> So it would be a loss if we allowed Vandy to score at this point, but <laughs> it'd be a lot of pressure. It's a lot of pressure on the defense. <laughs> uh, I was actually thinking about going to that game with a friend of mine, and I started thinking about it. And we were going to jump in the car and go up there Saturday morning, and just come back right after the game. And I started thinking about, the, I'm like, man, oh, that's a lot of driving for a beat down to go in a stadium that looks like an erector set uh, project. <laughs> I mean, are they playing in a high school stadium while they renovate whatever stadium they had before that nobody liked? I think think they're just playing in a kind of a bomb. It looks like Beirut or something. It's just all torn up. I don't know. It looks like there's a bunch of cranes everywhere. The the scoreboard's propped up by a bunch of two-by-fours or something in the the end zone. (laughs) Something like that. Um yeah, the game Saturday night. I mean, who would have a problem with Bobo after that one? I mean, that was chess master right there. It was uh, a work of art. Yeah, I, I had a friend, Max and Chi was at the game, and he, he he told me that there were people behind him. Some guy back there was still complaining about Bobo during the game. I mean, what does he want to do? I mean, yeah, I mean, that, there, well, it just proves that some people just can't be made happy. They're happy being unhappy. I think it's his name, Bobo. It's easy to associate it with clownishness or something. They just can't. 
They just want to say, Bozo, I don't understand it. What it is, is as they've preached so hard against him that now to, to walk that back is basically for them to admit they were wrong and they can't admit they were wrong. It's that simple. Well, I, I take a cue from Joel Klatt uh, two weeks ago or whatever. He said we're a shell of ourselves. Now he claims we're like Usain Bolt and we started slow and now we're drilling people. So he did an about face. And I respect that because that's what he should have done. Yeah. Right? But mm-hmm. but he has he is a bigger man than some of the um, the people who watch Georgia games. I think so. We got some good ones. That's for sure. And, and every uh, and every fan base does. But and we all that we ask is that we not be judged by our worst fans. Yeah. That's fair and, statement. And, and I try not to, even though it's fun to sometimes judge others by their worst fans, uh, but. <laughs> I mean, we all got them. We judge the Florida fans by their jorts and tank tops and excessive gold jewelry worn by males who have mullets and cheesy mustaches. But hey, that's the majority of their fans. Yeah, it definitely is. Um, Carson, I mean, wow, I mean, just start his apparently from watching different things, people who know about I mean, his mechanics, everything is just really on point right now. Uh, what is he? What is he? Uh, is he top five in the nation in yardage now? Yeah, uh, and he's like seventy-three and a half percent completion rate. And I read an article that I really enjoyed talking about how he's so good at dealing with pressure from being a pitcher. You know, when you're a pitcher, yeah. you're out there on an island, and there's nobody that can throw that strike but you. And it almost makes being a quarterback, comparatively speaking, you can make the case that there's less pressure. Yeah, I, I, yeah. Kirby's mentioned that several times about that. I, I think he really likes that baseball. He likes people that played other sports and dealt with pressure. And he's like, I guess Carson was a pitcher, and he's like, man, you know, he, he's kind of used. To, you know, he knew what it was about when he when he got here because he'd already done it. And even he went even farther. He goes, look, we would have done the same thing the last two years if Carson had been our quarterback. I mean, I'm paraphrasing, but he said he was here. He could have done the exact same thing. Yeah, I, I'm just totally impressed with him. And I admit, at the start of the year, I wasn't sure. But, man, his third down conversions continue to be, uh, you know, incredible. His uh, Now, a running game gave us enough to make the downfield passing game fairly easy. But our, our quick lead just helped our defense so much because Kentucky ended up playing with one hand time. And they couldn't – I mean, they were not equipped to, to handle a 21-0 lead right off the bat. They were the proverbial one-legged man in an ass-kicking contest. <laughs> <laughs> they just definitely were. Uh, yeah, totally took them out. And then, uh, you know, okay, so we've 50, you know, scored 50 on them. Uh, and then, and I guess Stoops, I guess he came in the game thinking that he was going to do something because, man, he was talking all out his head the other day after uh, about the – uh, uh, well, we just bought a lot of good players. Now, I know there's NIL, and I know we do it, but it, it, to me, if it's, it sounds like, well, if you got a lot of money like they do, then this is easy, and you win games like this. I don't know if other people read it that way. I know Matt Stinchman didn't bother him at all, but I, I felt it's kind of a shot at currently, like, okay, so you don't have to know anything about football as long as you have a bunch of money. Well, if that's the case, shouldn't Texas A&M just be carpet bombing all of us. I think what he was trying to say is if you tightwads would give me more money, we wouldn't lose. 
kind of like you're giving plenty of money to basketball. Why don't you give me some money? And I'm essentially deflecting the blame for the debacle that occurred in Sanford Stadium to, to them not you know, digging into their wallets to help him. Well, maybe so, but, but uh, he was saying that, but just kind of the way he said it, I don't know. Some people didn't bother me a little bit. It did. I, I just, uh, I think Bert uh, led us on this stat and he may talk about it if he's on today, but he, he's only beaten three, three team, three, three teams with SEC winning records. I think uh, it's two, two, two Florida and South Carolina since he started. Maybe yeah. he needs to win a few of those games and maybe some of those horse racing jokers up there will drop some, some serious cash on him. And that's a crazy stat that I don't that think is, anybody no knew. Idea. Yeah. I'm sure that there was a very pointed question that preceded him making that statement. I'm sure it was a, a dig at him, and that's what he came back with. But, man, oh, man. I mean, I don't know anybody that expected it to be Georgia minus 38 going no, into that game. I like this covering, you know, and I'd also like this covering against South Carolina, which that didn't come close to happening. But I, I felt like this had to be the one where we kind of – yeah, let it let all loose and got it going, and and we sure did, and I'm sure it was exciting to be there. I know neither one of you or I were there, but I heard the town was was just out of hand, and uh, everybody was having a good time afterwards, and, and it's quite a scene. I went up there Friday to take my son out to dinner, and it was popping. Let me tell you, it was hard to get around, and it hurt my feelings leaving Friday night. <laughs> well. But, yeah. but by both of us not being there, we once again assured that we would not see each other in person. That's, that's right. So that's the, the that's the streak that nobody's talking about. I mean, forget all these, you know, 23, yeah. 24 games that we've won in a row at home and in the SEC. It's the Buffalo and Mad Dog have not seen each other in going on 1,572 days since this thing started. Yeah. Yeah. Uh that's true. We did we keep that going. I guess we'll keep it going this week. You're, you're not going to Vanderbilt. I guess I'm not now either. So I, I need to calculate. I, I think literally, though, I don't know how long we hadn't seen each other beforehand. But since we started, we're working on a thousand days. I think I've seen you once in person in the last 15 years. <laughs> that doesn't that makes it feel less special. <laughs> well, I thought I, I could have been dreaming. I, th- I think I may have. It was think, well before the show started. I think I saw you COVID year in 2020 over there at the old K house where, where, where uh, Chuck always uh, tailgates. Yeah. Remember when he was t- tailgating there for a while. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I know I was with Neil when I saw you, I think. Yeah. I don't know. I can't remember one day. It all that. runs together. Well, hey, one of the best feelings going to bed that Saturday night was the fact that the Gator fans, who I believe were off last week, they had to watch us dismantle the Cats after what they did to them the week before. I well, mean, that feels good right there. Well, what has got to feel even better is the – or feel worse is the Tennessee fans who got routed by Florida, who got routed by Kentucky, who got routed by us. Yeah, yeah, I, I, yeah. I, I didn't keep going, but yeah, they may be. They may have raised an eyebrow. I would say, like, oh god, here we go again. Yeah, right. yeah. They're um, who's Florida have this week? I can tell you. I can't remember. 
Give me one sec. South Carolina. South Carolina. At South Carolina. I think the Rattler Rattler may run wild on them. Yeah, he might. I, I, I thought the Rattler may have something last week, but he, he didn't. It's a 3.30 kick, so it, it won't be as, as much lunacy as there would be as a night game there, but I don't know if I'm betting there. I'm, I'm if I'm betting straight money line. I'm betting on the on the Cox. Yeah, I, I would too. Uh, at, at home, I have probably probably do opposite if if it was in Florida. Um, what else have I got here? That just a little bit about Vandy. I think they're terrible <laughs> uh, as it, in regards to even Vandy usual standards. I mean, I think they're. Even worse this year. Um, I know they benched their quarterback, and they got another guy in there. I, I don't know any other names. Uh, apparently, that Clark Lee, their coach, though, is a good guy and a, and a and a bright guy. And apparently, Kirby likes him a lot. And you know, best of luck to him. Uh, but you know, they're they're not ready again. But they're going to get their SEC check, and I don't know what they do with them all, but. <laughs> I wish we were, I think it'd be I think it'd be more interesting to empty the bench at the start of the game and just start with your worst players and just see if you've see if you've even see if you've even got to work your way to the first string and just see if every business can be taken care of without any of our good players being put in harm's way. There you go. That's a good I don't know if that's a a, a super shot to uh to, to Clark Lee and the old Commodores, but uh, if you if you ran out, uh, I don't know if we have another quarterback on staff on the, on the team that we've never heard of. But I, if you started off with the lowest of the low and built your way up to a, you may have to just keep building until till the end of the game. You're running all your regulars. I, I don't know if you want to if you want to get up over in the sixty. You know, you've got an in-house rule. If you go down by fourteen, then you just throw the first string in there. But you know, yeah, okay. keep it, it makes it makes for a real you know pressure. Uh, the, give them pressure. Give the last string guys pressure. It moves up to the next guys. You know, maybe we put our first string in in the fourth quarter down by fourteen, just to give them that experience that they need. Uh, yeah. <laughs> going to get fourteen. Yeah, thirty-five this quarter. Get after it. Yeah, exactly. I would like to see. I think we're going to see a lot of uh, uh, Vandegrift. Uh, this week, uh, and I would like to see some of those outside defenders, Xavier Story and Jalen Walker, people like that. I'd like to see them get some work. Hopefully, we will. I think we will. Yeah, I was looking at the percentage of snaps, and and Sori was a, a lot lower than I thought it would be. I think he was at like twelve percent or maybe eighteen. Jalen Walker was way down, also right around twelve. But I'm with you. I'd like to see those guys get more time. Yeah, they, it looks like they only put them in like third longs, and that's about it. Yeah. I'd like to see them in some regulars and see what they can do. Yeah, I'd like to see more. Of, I'd like to see more of Marvin Jones Jr. I keep saying that. And yeah. Kirby put out a little. Um, somebody asked him specifically about him, and I didn't realize this, but he had been nursing a, a sprained ankle. Mm-hmm. So that's why. His, yeah, rolled his ankle. Yeah. Up. Yep. So I mean, because that guy's a beast. I know. I mean, you see him out there; he just looks like he could just maul people. Yeah, it'd be. It'd be good when he gets totally healthy. And I think as a whole, I'll have to I'll have to watch the doctor's report this week. But it feels like we're 
moving towards more health than we were three weeks ago. But we're moving towards so much health that the doctor took his kids to Disney World. There is no injury report this week. Oh, okay. You and I, you and I just had the injury report. That's it. Mims is still out. Tyrion Ingram Dawkins is still out. Marvin Jones is nursing an ankle, and that's it. Well, if I had to take my kids to Disney World, which I have done, I, that, I would consider that me being on the injured <laughs> list because that is tough, a tough one, man. It ain't a vacation. God. No. It ain't it ain't a vacation at all. It's the we opposite. did it. I told I told them we did it and we got home and I said, okay, I hope y'all enjoyed it. I got one trip when I was a kid. That's all you get. If you want to go, you'll have to figure out to go with somebody else. And they've been like four or five times, but I said, I ain't getting near that place. <laughs> I did the same thing. We took my youngest. He's now 21. He was an infant. He was like six months old. That's all he got. Oh, that's all he got. Yeah, he's like, I don't remember. That's your fault. Yeah. Be smarter when you <laughs> yeah. can't even walk. Yeah. Should have picked your birth order better. Um, all right. So we want to hear what Dogger has to say. Yeah, I want to hear about how the records were last week. <laughs> I don't want to hear about mine because I think I came in last place. Dogger, are you there? What is up, Mad Dog? Mad Dog feels like he uh, definitely didn't do any good picking last week. So go ahead and give me the bad news. Well, I um I I messed up, and I was hoping your uh, your person back there in the back, uh, the bear, was keeping track of you. I know Bobber went four one and one, I went three two and two, and I thought you and I were pretty similar. So I, I was thinking just just with lines that you were three two and two as well, but you could have been two three and and one. Everybody pushed on the Ohio State game. All right, give me the give me the games, and as you tell me, I'll be I'll definitely be able to remember. Yeah, well, I'm writing them down this time. Um, so you're talking about for this week. Uh, this week we have at 12 o'clock, um, we have Alabama, Arkansas. Uh, wait, are you talking about from last week, Mad Dog? Yeah, I was going to just so if you tell okay, me. My bad. Tell you what my I bad. All right. So last week we had LSU and Missouri and uh, LSU covered and uh, obviously won the game. I picked Missouri to win and to cover. Okay, so you're 0-1 there. Right. And then uh, Texas and Oklahoma, um, Texas was six and a half. I picked Oklahoma to win and cover. You won both those. And then Ohio State uh, pushed against Maryland. They were minus 20, and they obviously won. I picked picked Maryland to win and cover. Uh Uh-oh, I didn't realize that. Okay, so you're one and two just on the the, – well, no, you're one, one, and one on the line because they pushed. Right. Uh, and then Alabama A&M. Alabama was minus two. I picked A&M to win and cover. You're one, two, and one. And then uh, dogs in Kentucky. Dogs were 14 and a half. They covered. I picked them to win and cover. All right. So you're two, two, and one. And then the Irish against Louisville. I picked Louisville to win and cover. All right. So, yeah, you did go two, three, and one. So on the – on the season, I'm going to mark this down. Buffalo and uh, just on the lines, Buffalo is four one and one. I'm three two and one, and you are two three and one. I'm the classic terrible better who goes with his heart, <laughs> <laughs> which is why I don't bet anymore, except on the Heisman Trophy. There you go. Who do you have winning that? I've already put a hundred bucks down on Bowers at sixty to one. That's an awesome. Very I wish good. I got him at a hundred to one. He, uh, where did you do that and when did you do it? 
I had someone who was in a gambling location do that preseason. Okay. Yeah. All right. I, w- I probably know who that is and where they were. <laughs> <laughs> um, that's a good one. I hope it works out. The um, so yeah, I'm fired up. It's uh, it's a good time of gambling for those of us prognosticators. You have uh, NHL is going on. You have Tuesday and Wednesday night college football. You have the Major League Baseball playoffs, which I know Bobber is anxious for. I am as well. And then obviously you have a full slate of college football form from uh, tonight through Saturday, and then NFL on Sunday, Monday, and Thursday. So yeah, it's a lot of activity, busy trying to find the trying to find the right sides of these games. It's never easy. <laughs> I wish it was. Yeah. If it was, everybody'd be doing it. We need to form the Dogger Casino. That's uh, how you. That's how you win. You be, you're the house. We we need to do years ago. I'm going back probably 15 years. You brought up the idea of doing a Dogger um, 900 line. <laughs> And I still, to this day, think it's a great idea. I don't know why we never jumped on that. Can we still do it? Absolutely. There, I get probably 10 texts uh, every Saturday and Sunday uh, trying to get me to, to spend X amount of money to this guy guarantees. Steve out of New York guarantees if, if he doesn't go 3-0, then all your bets are free for the next two weeks, all that kind of stuff. How much startup capital will it take us? Just advertising, not much, which I, your bank can do for us. What <laughs> <laughs> bank? I don't work for a bank. They don't. No bank will. Uh, no uh, bank will claim me. <laughs> I didn't. I didn't mention the name. So whoever that is. <laughs> Are we talking two thousand or ten thousand? I mean, ten would really get your advertising out there. We need to get um, my my IT guru, my son. Mad Dog Jr. to figure that out. Yeah, no, let's uh, let's definitely talk about that either on air or off air. It's, uh, I mean, I'm not kidding. They they and it's it's a scam, obviously. But if you get on a roll, you're going to get, especially the college kids. I remember way back when there was a roommate of mine that uh, fraternity brothers of both bars. Uh, he would from Peabody Street when I lived there. He would <laughs> run over to the Chinese restaurant on Baxter and say he didn't have, uh, something was wrong with his car. He needed to borrow their phone. And he would, so he called the 900 number, 25 bucks. <laughs> from, from their number. Yeah. And then, then he'd run back to the house. We'd all load up on the Giants on Monday night. And half the time it would lose. <laughs> oh my God, that is beautiful. Oh, it was, yeah, it was, uh, he did it on a regular basis. I, I think maybe about the sixth time once the Chinese guy got his bills, did, yeah, did, recognized this, it. Did this, did this individual have a nickname? Tuan. <laughs> <laughs> well, I know another one that used to do it too. At the bookstore. <laughs> uh, Those poor hardworking jokers were out there just trying to scratch out a living. And <laughs> He would go in there and yeah, <laughs> he'd hear from Joe or somebody and take this. It's a lot. I salute his ingenuity and his creativity um, and his pursuit of the proper wager. He was always ingenious. No, everything he did, yeah, or does, probably still to this day. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, we'll have to talk about that further. It's uh, it's a, uh, it's it's good. I've I've read different things that. 
it's a constant revenue stream. It's uh, like I said, if you can get on a little four and O streak on the right side, then you're just going to bring in people exponentially, especially the, the younger, younger crowd. Interesting. Yeah. Um, and you're going across the country. So not just, not just doing a dog's game in the Southeast, anything like that. So yeah, we, uh, we may have to, uh, I may see you Friday night. We may have to talk about that further. I love it. Side hustle for the side hustle. There you go. There you go. All right. So uh, this week, and by the way, dogs finally covered, um, finally covered and it went over. So they are now uh, one and four on, uh, on covering on the season, obviously five and oh, but this week we're going to go with uh, 12 o'clock game, Alabama and Arkansas. Alabama is minus 20. I'm pretty sure Mad Dog went first last week, so we'll rotate it around so he doesn't influence anybody. So, Bobber, you pick first this week. Uh, is that that game's that game's at, at Alabama, right? I, yeah, I don't have any of these. I try to pay attention to that. all of these. I think are uh, the favorite is at home. Okay, I'm gonna have to say Alabama. I think they're kind of moving on up. So. Both sides, obviously. Yeah. All right. Um, all right, I will go. Uh, I will go the the same way. I think they've definitely hit their stride. I, I think they cruise through the rest of the year, and and uh, hopefully we'll see them in the SEC championship. So yeah, I'm, I'm Bama both sides as well. Arkansas's been losing like one possession game, so I'm going to be counterintuitive and go Arkansas cover Alabama win. Okay. All right, I got it. And the next one is the Vols, 3.30 p.m., Vols uh, versus Texas A&M. I think that should be a good game. I don't even know the Vols, like y'all talked about a little bit ago, aren't playing that well. But three in, Tennessee is three and a half. I keep wanting to tell you the totals as well, but uh, they're three and a half. Okay, I'm going to go Texas A&M plus the three and a half. And, and win, obviously. Yeah. Well, not yet. I get, yeah. No, well, I, I, well, yeah, I'm, I'm taking them in both. All right. And I have the exact same thing. I have A&M to um, do both. A&M to cover and win three for three. Wow. Okay. Boy, Tennessee's going to roll them up. <laughs> yeah, yeah they exactly. Will. <laughs> <laughs> and this is the biggest game of the day. Uh, Washington against Oregon at 330. And that is Washington minus three. I'm going to go uh, Oregon plus three and Oregon wins. Damn it, Bobber. Um, if I have the exact same thing, I just uh, all those pundits for, for a few weeks have been saying Washington has a good chance to win the national championship and they maybe should be ranked number one. Some of these people are saying. I don't know. I think Bo Nix has Oregon on a roll, and I like their like their chances. Washington hadn't seen a defense like Dan Lanning's defense, so yeah. I'm going same way. Oregon to cover and win. All right. I mean, Penix is good, but I, Oregon at home. I mean, I, 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 you know. yeah. Or no, Oregon's on the road. So Oregon's on the road. That's I don't right. Care. I, don't um, I said that. LSU at seven o'clock against Auburn. LSU is minus eleven. Uh, I'm gonna take. I'm gonna take Auburn to cover, LSU to win. Man, Bobber, we are. That's exactly what I think. I like the same thing. Auburn obviously played us tough. 
I like LSU to cover and win. LSU both. All right. All right. Uh, then you have the Irish again. This I feel like their schedule has just been brutal. Um, Irish against USC, 7.30 p.m. in, in uh, South Bend. Notre Dame is minus three. I'm going to take – I'm going to take Notre Dame both ways. I'm not doing this because I'm a, a Notre Dame fan or whatever. I'm not going to call myself a homer at all. But, uh, yeah, I, I like that, too. I think the rebound on USC, I'm not sure who all they've played. I'm, look, as much as I don't want to pull for Notre Dame, sorry, dogger. You're fine. <laughs> You're fine. But I think Notre Dame is going to be super hungry for this game. I think they're better than USC. I really hope that they embarrass USC. I love it. I would love to see it. Caleb Williams drop his draft uh, spot. I'd like to say I hate both teams a lot. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. Uh, And then the last one, last one is Oregon State uh, versus UCLA. Oregon State is three and a half. Uh, I guess I guess they're at home, so I'm going to take yeah. or- Oregon State both ways. All right, I've got uh, we're against each other on that one. I have UCLA both ways to win the game and obviously cover. I got Oregon State both ways. Oregon State both ways for D Dub. Can can we uh, throw? Can we? Can I throw one in there? Just I was going to throw the I was going to throw the Braves in there, but go ahead. You can throw the a football one in there. Uh, I want to. What's the spread with uh, Buckeyes and spoiler makers? Hold on one second. I've, I had this up in case you asked about another one. Um, do, 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 do. I want to say it was like 18 or something. All right. It is 19 and a half. Okay. And that's at, at Purdue. I'm going to take Purdue to cover and win. Boom. Wow. Okay. Boom. Purdue and Purdue. Do not right. do not sleep on the spoiler makers. Uh, You're not calling them Perdon't this week. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'll go with uh I'll go with Perdon't to cover, but Ohio State wins. I I've got to go Ohio State on both of those. What uh, what's making you think that, Mad Dog? Just Ohio State just keeps cheating death. You know, I watched the whole Maryland game. Maryland, I don't think they're even that good. I think they've had a soft schedule and they went to five and zero. Oh. Maybe it was because Travion Henderson didn't play for Ohio State, but they look terrible. I don't think they have a quarterback. I don't think their defense is that great. And I just think they're going to slip up against somebody. Maybe they're thinking, you know, it's that classic trap game before they play Penn State next week. If they don't lose this one, they're going to lose to Penn State. Did you see they have that Penn State uh, game scheduled at noon? That's that's crazy to me that they're putting it at noon. I read that yesterday. It's because nobody wants to watch it. (laughs) (laughs) I don't want to watch it, but that's a big game, assuming they both – I'm not even sure Penn State plays this week. They probably do, but – they're gonna scar. They're, they're gonna scarlet the shoe. That's their big thing. Everyone's gonna wear the color scarlet at their crappily named stadium. The shoe. Wow. Which is the I lamest guess. thing ever. 
That is good old Ryan Day. Ryan Day, Lou Holtz is lurking. Lou Holtz is just lurking. He's waiting for that loss. We need to get him on on the Mad Dog Show. I'm working on it. I got people working at all kind of different levels that you're not aware of to try and make that happen. I like that. Very good. I like it. I like it a lot. The uh, and then just uh, I know we're we're a college football show, but. In honor of Bobber, I got to throw this out. Philly is minus one thirty, so about a hundred on Philly and lose. You lose one thirty, and the total is nine for tonight's game. I guess. Yeah, yeah. Oh, we got Elder. We do have Elder, which everybody's picking the over in that thing. Did you see what Buck Blue said when he found out Elder was pitching? I did not. He said. We better we better change our launch angle and score some, with some big bombs tonight. Uh, <laughs> uh, you know what? We jumped on Nola some this year. I mean, we we, we can hit Nola uh, Acuna and uh, Acuna, Albies yeah. and Riley. No, and Azuna, Azuna, Acuna, and Albies. I believe are oh, no, I don't know. I thought Albies. Anyway, somebody's 0 for 18, Acuna and, and – uh, It's got to be Ozuna. Ozuna's 0 Ozuna, for – he's 0 for Ozuna. against anyway, everybody. They're due to bust out. Let's go Braves. I mean, I can't pick the stinking Phillies. So, I'll take the Braves. I'm not going to pick it. I, I just was throwing it out there just to bring up a little conversation. Oh, okay. it, yeah, it uh, it should uh, – hopefully, though, that was a great comeback the other night, obviously. It, it was uh, – oh, yeah, it was – that was awesome. They got me football fired up almost. Yeah, well, it did. <laughs> yeah, it did. It did. It's I mean, crazy. it was it was unbelievable. And by the way, I think I think Michael Harris the second would make a heck of a safety. He would. Football. He would the way he went back on that baseball. He'd, he'd be brutal out there, man. I think yeah. he'd take his heads off. He ran into that fence and it, he was unfazed. I mean, he probably was going on pure adrenaline at that point. But I mean, it, the way he hit it with his hip, he just bounced right off of that and just launched one towards the infield. Yeah, just unbelievable. It was good stuff. And everybody was in their proper positions to be able to throw out Harper at first, which I always love being able to throw out Harper. The first 8-5-3 double play in postseason history. Ever. Yep. Was it really? Yeah. Yep. Yep. Ever? Ever. Ever. I mean, in baseball, to have something that's never happened before is that never happens. Yeah. I mean, center fielder to third baseman to first baseman, that's – yeah, that's that's pretty unlikely. <laughs> it was good stuff. So yeah, I hope we uh, hope we go out and win eleven to eight. So wait, what was your pick? I, I, I didn't. Uh, Buffalo picked. Well, go ahead, Rob. I, pick, I just picked the Braves to win tonight. That's yeah. I didn't. I didn't mean to throw it out there for picks. Right? We I, we can pick it if you want. Well, I think I know what we're going to all say. Braves win. Yeah, I would go Braves and over. Although with Bryce Elder on the mound. Uh, one thing I will mention, Craig, I wrote this down last week. You did, you did go heavy Who? on the dogs over. <laughs> you, you hooked up on that one. Wait, what? I didn't hear you. He picked. He I picked. did. I did. I said last week, I said I love the dogs over uh, on yeah, the show yeah. last week. And what was it? They went over. They went over? Yeah. So it went over by 16, mm-hmm. 18 or something. That's why he's dogger. Good memory. Why he's dogger, good man. memory. I did have a winning week last week, so that's good. And I put some real money on the Braves and over. So um, 
let's hope uh let's hope they come through all right well everybody do their homework we need you to everyone be working on a business plan for doggers 900 number <laughs> uh and then we'll start the capital raise next week i'm all in i'm all in we'll do it at your uh at your launch or whatever it's your your new bank launch <laughs> <laughs> that's just what you need ladies and gentlemen I have one hanging around. <laughs> ladies and gentlemen I have one more announcement dogger could you please come take the mic I <laughs> uh, go dogs, go dogs. Uh, yeah yeah thanks bad dog always fun all right so see y'all next time all right see Bye. so that's it that's another wrap thanks again to our usual guests Buffalo, Dogger, Bert Hodges, the stat freak. And thanks to our special guest, Hamilton Culpepper, also known as Hammy. Check out his podcast, The Hammy Show. And then another very special guest, Quincy Mauger, former UGA player, current player in the CFL, the Canadian Football League with the BC Lions. Man, he carved out some time for us, and that was awesome. Uh, and then last but not least, um, there's one Bulldog player that we should keep in our thoughts and prayers. He gets picked on continually by, by Beck, by Bowers, by Bobo, and the entire Georgia offense. This guy practices so hard every week, and despite all this hard work, Bobo and the offense won't let him see the field, and that is Brett Thorson, our punter. The man is lonelier than a leper's shadow. Brett, you're fantastic. We love you but we hope you don't see the field again. Enjoy the bye week 0.0 scrimmage against some team in Nashville and HBTFD. The Mad Dog Show is proudly sponsored by The Samford Company, Dogbone.net, Bulldog Illustrated, Classic City Collective, The Park Group Marketing and Media, Bib Distributing, Sellers Construction, Ventures Barbecue, Go Clean Co., Jay Lee, Attorney at Law, Pelicano Construction, Jag's Pizzeria, Macon Monogramming, Ortho Georgia, Cherokee Brick, Progressive Communications, Butler Auto Group, ASP, Ward Mini Storage, Walthall Oil Company, Beach Services, Willingham Sash and Door, and Grenford Chiropractic.